To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T. P-U-R-O-A-I-R dot com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. Today, I'm covering a couple of questions with somewhat new topics. The first is from a mom struggling with balancing her work with parenthood and all that that entails. The second question is from a mom who suspects her child may have some form of highly functioning autism or Asperger's syndrome and is wondering if the tips I share in several areas are appropriate to use and whether or not they would even yield positive results or backfire with a child who has autism or Asperger's syndrome. So our first question is from Jessica. She says, hi, Erin. First off, thank you for your podcast. I stumbled upon it and I'm so thankful I did. 
I wish I had your brain. <laughs> Thank you, Jessica. Um, I'll take that as a really big compliment. Most of the time it works well. Um, so thank you for sharing your experience and knowledge. My question has to do with balance. I'm the mother of a now one-year-old. I'm also a first grade teacher. This school year has been especially tough on me because it is the first school year I am a mother and a teacher at the same time. I have been struggling with finding balance in both of my roles, not to mention my other roles of wife, homemaker, friend, etc. I feel overwhelmed and guilty that one or more important things are not getting finished. I often choose my family over my work priorities because my family comes first, but that means my students oftentimes get an unprepared, boring teacher because I didn't have time to prepare a fun lesson. It is hard with a job that has take-home work because when my son goes to sleep, I try to give my husband attention so that our relationship stays strong too. I just don't know how to balance all my roles. As a working mother yourself, got any tips? So Jessica, I think balancing our lives is one of the hardest things there is when it comes to being a mom, a wife, a friend, an athlete, and a parent. It's really hard to manage all of these things and keep these balls in the air. We have so many responsibilities and duties to keep moving forward. So first, I want you to try to drop the guilt. You can only do so much, and it already sounds like you're burning the candle at both ends, which as you know, is a recipe for disaster. So I want you to try to figure out how and where you can get more support. Now, interestingly enough, a mom in one of my mom groups just asked this same question the other day, and lots of moms piped up with lots of great ideas. And I'm going to share my own, plus some of the ones some of the other moms threw in there, which I thought were great. Now, I think I've talked about the class and or the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People before, but he, and by he, I mean the author, Stephen Covey, talks about big rocks and small rocks, but what are your big rocks? They need to go into your schedule first. Now, these are obviously for you to decide, but it seems like two of your big rocks are taking care of your baby and your job. Now, sleep is always a big rock too, but take a look and decide on yours. To me, housework is a medium rock. Okay, we have to eat dinner. We have to have clothes to wear. But if my floor doesn't get swept for two weeks, I'm totally fine with that. You may feel differently with a baby, but you see where I'm going with that. So let's go over some areas where you could potentially get help or lighten your load. How are the chores divided at home? Now here are some statistics just to shed some realistic light on the average American household. And I would imagine this holds true in other nations as well. But now this may not be true in your family, but it's good to understand and take a look to see if these things are unfairly divided. According to a survey from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, in households with two full-time working parents, and in this case, we're talking heterosexual families, the gap between time spent on chores per day is about 40 minutes per day. Full-time working mothers spend just under two hours a day on household activities, while full-time working fathers spend about an hour and 18 minutes on them. Add that up. That's 4.67 hours a week. A month, that's almost 20 hours more that moms are spending taking care of the household than dads. Now, I'm not throwing dads under the bus here, and there are lots of great dads out there who do put in the 50-50 or close to it. But these are the averages according to the survey. So take a look and just see if you are expected to or are taking on more than your partner because of our societal norms and expectations that moms are the nurturers, and the main caretakers. So it's very natural and common. Now in our family, my husband 
doesn't do nearly as much during the week. However, he does do all the laundry on the weekends. He also makes the lunches for the kids and he does take on the mornings, gets the kids ready and gets them to school. For some things you might be able to do to lighten your load, do you have family close by who could or does take your baby for a few hours to give you a break or time to catch up? Can you make meals simpler? Use a crock pot or do some prep on the weekends. Can you hire a mommy's helper, a young teen to come in and help fold laundry or help prep meals or anything else you might need? Sweep your floors. You know, that's a good $10 to $20 really well spent. As your kids get older, there are a lot more options. So for parents of older kids, I want to throw a few of these out. Swapping with other parents for play dates, school pickups or driving to and from after school activities. Find your village and use them. Work with them. It benefits everyone. Our kids' school has two release times and it's so annoying. My younger kids get out 50 minutes before the older one. That means two trips to the school every day. And you have to leave early to get anywhere close or just park and walk. But the difference is long enough in the time span for pickup that it's not worth hanging out there, especially in the winter. Now, one of my daughter's friends, moms, and I have started taking turns picking up the younger and the older kids. So we only have to go to the school once on these days that we swap. The days I pick up the older kids, I get almost an extra hour to get stuff done. The days I pick up the younger kids are easier also because my daughter is occupied playing with her friend when she comes over. So it's a great win-win no matter which kids I'm picking up which days. Okay, so let's get into the husband time. Now the two of you need to decide together how much time you feel like you need to keep the connection the level that you want it to be. Now to be honest, in my situation, having three kids 20 months apart, I felt like our days were really just about survival for about three years straight. But also our relationship and communication is and was so strong that we were really good about just picking up where the other one left off, using each of our strengths, and we really just worked like a well-oiled machine. So we didn't really need a lot of communication or a lot of connection or to work through who needs to do what or do more of something very often. So in that way, we are and were extremely lucky. As the kids have gotten older, we've been able to reconnect more now. We go on date nights one to two times a month, and that's enough concentrated quality time for us to feel connected. We'll chat at night for a few minutes after the kids go to bed, but depending on who has what tasks or work they need to complete, it doesn't always happen, or it doesn't happen for more than five or ten minutes, and that's okay. That's enough for us. Others may need or want more connection, and they may have to negotiate about how much time is enough and how that can get reasonably fit into the schedule. But if it's causing you so much stress and you're not getting stuff done for your school and you're not getting stuff done at home, then this is an area where you and your partner really need to look and negotiate about how these needs can get met or how your needs can get met so that you're not feeling so stressed out and feeling like you're not getting your tasks done or giving enough attention to something that you really need some more help giving attention to. Now next, I'm going to answer a question from a mom who thinks it is very possible that her son may have a form of high-functioning autism or Asperger's syndrome and wonders if using the tips I provide for healthy eating as well as external motivation are appropriate for using with her son. I'll get to this right after a break from our sponsor, Kind Snacks. We're heading to spring and summer is coming up fast. And as I've shared, I have a lot of athletic endeavors and goals coming. So I've been working really hard at dropping those last few extra pounds to increase my performance and speed. And of course, 
Healthy snacks with the healthy ingredients and Kind Bars has been a huge part of my success in dropping these last few pounds. Now, Kind Bar has a special offer for you. You can try 10 Kind Bars for free, and all you have to pay is shipping. To get the offer, go to kindsnacks.com slash parenting. Again, that's to get your free box of 10 Kind Bars and just pay shipping. Go to kindsnacks.com slash parenting. Now that we're back after the break, I'm going to answer a question from a mom asking about the techniques I share and if they are appropriate to use with her son, if it turns out he has a form of high-functioning autism or Asperger's syndrome. Sarah says, hello, my son is three years, four months old, and we have recently asked for a referral to get him assessed for autism. We've had some concerns for him for some time and have been finding his behavior increasingly difficult over the last couple of years. He is not very good at listening to instructions or responding to questions. He tends to get very engrossed in certain activities and will often not do what we were asking him to do, eat lunch, use the potty, etc., until he is done going through his activity. For instance, he's very obsessed with letters, numbers, and shapes. If he starts writing the alphabet, he will not do what we were asking until he finishes. Sometimes he will even start writing the alphabet again and completely ignore our request. He is also becoming increasingly picky about food and we worry that it might be a sensory issue and that it will just get worse with time. I really value your advice on dealing with picky eaters, but I worry that the normal rules will just narrow his food selection even further as he may never want to venture outside of his comfort food range. We think he probably has Asperger's or high-functioning autism as he did not have a language delay and does not seem to have any learning difficulty, actually the opposite. He could recognize and point to letters at 14 months, could read by two years, and can write all letters and numbers at age three. I really enjoy your podcast and really appreciate the fact that it is evidence-based. I wanted to ask whether you knew of any research about addressing behavior and feeding issues in children with Asperger's or on the autistic spectrum. I really like your advice on having extrinsic motivation for children, and we have been trying that approach. However, I worry that an autistic child will not be able to grow to understand and learn extrinsic motivation like a neurotypical child. Thank you very much for doing such a great podcast and for all your great advice and hard work. So first, I want to be really clear by saying that autism and Asperger's syndrome are not my area of expertise at all. So it really limits the information that I'm able to give. I have worked with a few children with Asperger's and autism, though, under the supervision of a mentor while I was working at a mental health agency. So I can share a little bit of what I've learned. Now, while you still don't know if your son has a diagnosis as of yet, it is a very real possibility. So at this point, I would wait until you get the assessment and then work with his therapist to use the tools and protocols they are recommending. I'll share what I can about what I know, but also if your son does get a diagnosis and then get support services, follow the instruction of his therapist, even if they contradict what I say. However, if you feel the therapist is not well-trained or not child-centered, you could do some research on some recommended services and seek out some different services because you definitely want to get the best you possibly can. There's good and bad in every industry. So you want to make sure that you're getting the best possible services for your son that you can. You want to keep your interactions child-centered. Now, what I mean by this is to put even more attention on what your son may be experiencing because the things like the extreme focus, the changing activities sound like they are particularly difficult for him to do this before he's ready. So you're right, this forcing any kind of 
um, change or putting down the hammer and making a consequence is probably not going to go over real well. And I don't want to give any advice in that arena. And I think that needs to come from the therapist as to how you can handle that because it could lead to more meltdowns and tantrums. I don't want to push you in that direction. So I really want you to work with a therapist to find the best way to do that. And then they can give feedback when things go one way or the other. They can give you a lot more help and guidance and feedback about how to keep uh, coaching and mentoring and guiding him in ways that are child-centered that don't allow him to do whatever he wants, but also give him some breadth of room to be the individual that he is and have the experience that he needs to have before he's ready to move to the next activity. Focus on positive behavior. Now, this is even more important when dealing with kids with autism than with neurotypical kids. The more you can focus on and accentuate the positive, the less need for correcting behavior. So anytime he finishes up and comes to the table for lunch, be sure to give the positive feedback. Thank you so much for coming to the table when I asked. That is very helpful. Have a set and established routine and structure. You want to create set places where activities occur. A general routine within your child's life is essential for them to make sense of the world and feel secure. When you create a routine, you will also be able to narrow down the reasons why or when your child might be acting out. You can use a picture schedule to create order. Picture schedules help to explain which activity the child will do next. Now, I'm only recommending this for your son because he, well, you said he's reading already, but uh, because he's also, you know, basically preschool age. So the picture schedules will be easier. So the picture schedules help to explain which activity the child will do next. There are also tools parents can use to help guide autistic children through the different activities they will be undertaking during the day. It helps improve structure in a child's life, particularly when children have difficulty keeping an overview of their daily activities. Some ideas for ways to use picture schedules could be, you can keep track of tasks by ticking them off completed activities. So your son may really take to this. You know, when it's lunchtime and he comes and he sits and has lunch, he may really enjoy checking that box off that he's had his lunch. That may help motivate him in that way. And yes, it's not intrinsic. It's a little more of an extrinsic motivator, but this may be what you need in your case. You and your child can keep a clock or a light-up timer near the activities to determine the time frame for each activity, if this helps the child. Not necessary, but you could put that by his playtime and say when it, you know, when it goes off, it's time to have lunch. See how that works. Help your child to design and draw the picture so that he or she feels more of a connection with the schedule that's being set up and also has some say in what order or how long things are done. Keep the images in a book or on a board or on a paper on the wall so your child can refer to them when he wants to. Then you need to be consistent with the schedule and this helps him feel secure. If a change needs to be made, you can give him a warning and an explanation so it's less jarring. You want to work together with the other caretakers, if there are any right now, to create a consistent system. If you need your son to stop what he's doing and come eat lunch, you can allow him to return afterwards if he wants. Work with him to figure out the schedule that works for him and you as far as the time he needs to work on his activity and try to set up the schedule around this. The more he feels involved, the more ownership he takes of it, the more likely he's going to be to buy into it. 
When it comes to picky eating, this is very common for children with autism. A recent review of scientific studies found that children with autism are five times more likely to have mealtime challenges, such as an extremely narrow food selection and ritualistic eating behaviors like none of the foods can touch or only white foods um, or meal-related tantrums are also another common concern. So when it comes to food, you want to be very flexible. What you want to do is offer healthy options, lots of healthy options without pushing. So here are some ways and steps for this. Take steps towards tasting. Many kids with autism are afraid to try new things. So help your child explore a new food by looking at it, touching it, smelling it. When he's ready for a taste, he can try giving the food a kiss or touching it to his tongue before putting a whole bite into his mouth. Now, sometimes mixing a new food with a favorite one can help. Not always, because sometimes they really don't want their foods mixed, but you can decide if this might be a good way to try it. Also, you want to be really aware of textures. Autism comes with a hypersensitivity to textures many times. So you want to remember that and how a food feels in the mouth rather than its flavor maybe what produces this food aversion. The squishiness of a fresh tomato is a classic example. Now, I can't stand tomatoes. I don't like the gel and the seeds. I don't like the way the gel tastes, but I got to say the texture of it doesn't do much for me either. Um, So I could understand that completely. So you want to try chopping or blending these foods to smooth out the texture. So for the tomato, it can be chopped into salsa or blended and cooked into a pasta sauce play with new food. You can allow him to play with food. It's another way to build familiarity and decrease mealtime anxiety. You could try painting with pasta sauce. You can use veggies to make faces on pizza. Use cookie cutters to cut sandwiches into fun shapes. While you're playing, let your child see you tasting and enjoying the food. Offer choices and control to your child. A child with autism may need to feel some control over what he puts into his mouth. It's also okay to just not like some foods. So try to offer a broad variety and allow choices within the category you care about. So vegetables, make two or three different vegetables and let him choose. So you might decide your child needs to have a serving of vegetables and one protein for dinner. So put five types of these foods on the table and allow him to choose at least one vegetable and one protein. And if you want him to broaden these foods, make sure that the two or three choices are all new, but keeping in mind the other things I said, like the textures and the feel in the mouth. If you're making a favorite dish for your child, something like pasta, you could ask your child to add one mystery ingredient for other family members to discover during the meal. This way he gets to choose it. Is it corn, broccoli? Chicken, he gets to choose. And be careful with rewards. I've talked about the dangers of rewards in a podcast before, but in the long run, it is important to reinforce your child's flexibility with food and the willingness to try new food. But by minimizing or not using a reward type system, positive feedback is enough of a reward. And blatant bribes can definitely backfire. And this has been shown in research that pushing the foods or bribing with foods or bribing a child with one food to eat another food definitely backfires. They then want the food that they're being bribed with and they want less of the food that they're being forced to eat to get to the bribed food. So definitely want to stay away from that because the child may eat the food 
but they won't learn to enjoy it or understand why it's important to eat a well-rounded diet. They just know they have to get through the yucky food to get to the yummy food. And so we don't want to do that. So Sarah, I wish you the best. And if there is a positive diagnosis, I wish you the best services available because there are so many quality services available that with early intervention, they can support people with autism to lead very normal, successful lives. Now, regardless, you've got a very bright young boy who is showing his strengths very early as well. I also want to give everyone a heads up that we are moving the website over to a new hosting service. We will be doing that this Saturday, March 3rd, around noon Pacific time. It will take up to 24 hours for it to propagate around the world. It may only be down for a couple hours in some areas, but may take up to 24 hours. And I'm making this move for a lot of technical reasons, including faster load time. So this is something we're going to get out there and get it done. And then the website will be up and available, load faster, and allow me to do updates to the website much, much smoother. So so you'll want to get on the site sometime before Saturday morning Pacific time or after Sunday afternoon. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.